and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast for another week of hopefully unruined by technology uh, photography chat goodness. Listen, it wasn't my fault last week. I blame the intern aide we had in um, for just not doing the job properly. That's what was going on now. I don't know what he was messing around at, but this week everything will be technically flawless um mostly because i've got my technical guru here on site with me to make sure that nothing goes wrong john how are you tech master here reporting for duty <laughs> the i'm all good thank you very much all good hot it's got hot again in the shed <laughs> yes oh it's got real warm here in the last week we went from uh dull and gray and miserable last week to really hot and sunny and warm again in the uk this week although by contrast i am stuffed full of cold so that's pretty great so if i sound a bit bunged up this week that is why um we have got an awesome guest joining us this week somebody who we've been waiting a long time to talk to actually because there's been various things over the years so it's an absolute delight to welcome to the podcast for the first time let's see how badly i get this wrong roberto martinez jimenez <laughs> well how was that it was perfect. Oh, yeah, hey. you got it. Oh, don't. <laughs> perfect. Don't he said perfect. Shut up, John. <laughs> don't use the word perfect. Rob, it's an absolute delight to have you on the show here with us. You're out there um, actually recording in the school where you work, which is fantastic. You've got a whiteboard behind you and everything, and you've taken the time out of the day to come and chat to us. Because we've got loads of stuff to talk about. I want to talk about um, your new photo book you got out, um, the stuff you're doing with your prints, uh, the shutter slugs, which is one of the first places I saw your work years ago, all that sort of stuff. But first of all, for the benefit of our listeners, why don't you tell us a bit about who you are? So my name's uh, Roberto, but I usually go by Rob because it's a little shorter, easier for people. I'm, as you said, I'm in a classroom, my classroom. Eighth, an eighth grade science teacher in California. So I'm located in Watsonville, which is about like an hour and a half south of San Francisco. But teacher by day, very amateur photographer by night and the rest of the time. Uh, I started taking pictures on film, I think in like 2017, 2018. I started selling my prints last year for donations. And then I was also a part of Shutter Slug which is a photography club at UCSC, UC Santa Cruz, which is the school I went to. Famously known for, I think you mentioned hacky sacks yep. and banana slugs. Yep, this is what I know about UC Santa Cruz. Everything I know about UC Santa Cruz I have learned from a Jesse Thorne podcaster and entertainer. Um, so yeah, ask me anything about UC Santa Cruz as long as it is. Also, um, uh, things like um, devil sticks and... <laughs> <laughs> um, what's those bikes with one wheel um, unicycles right these are all the things that I associate with completely unfairly I suspect with UC Santa Cruz what's a devil stick you know those stick things that you tap between you know listen John you, I you know, like, were... people do it at like festivals and stuff yeah like flaming balls and sticks yeah is UC Santa Cruz basically like a long ongoing festival Rob Sometimes it very much is, especially during the <laughs> summer. People on the lawn doing weird things. There you go. See, it's a perfect, a perfect description on my part. So, yeah, so you, we first got in touch, or you first got in touch with us back in, I think it was 2018, when you'd very recently got into this. And um, it was clear that you had, I think, as happens to many of us, when you get into photography as a whole, and film photography in particular, 
you get very passionate about it. You, you, you if it bites, it bites really hard. Um, and I know that. I mean, I'm sure this is still the case because you haven't suddenly grown massively older. You, you are still a young man, I'm still a fresh-faced young man. Um, but one of the things that you mentioned back then was about the fact that there is a general lack of representation, I suppose, in in the sort of the wider discourse by the younger people taking pictures. Um, and I'd be interested to know if if you feel that's still the same as it was back in 2018. I mean, I think there are more... I think YouTube is a much more fertile place now for younger photographers doing stuff, but are you seeing more young people shooting film and sharing their experiences online? Uh, yeah, I think the audience and the people creating content for just young photographers has definitely increased. There's a lot more people on my YouTube subscription box now than there used to be. And even when I was still at the club at UCSC, I was at first one of like, I think three film photographers. And then as the years went by, there was more and more and more. So I think there definitely is more young people getting into the hobby now. And it's really, really exciting to see because I'm hoping it helps bring back some cameras, bring back more film stocks and just kind of make this bigger and more sustainable for us so it doesn't go into a dark age again. Hmm. Uh, how important do you think it is for, for you, for people of your age group and younger, to be able to see people of their own peer group engaging with this as opposed to the fairly vast slew of middle-aged white men that there are doing <laughs> there's plenty of us but do you think it's an important thing um yeah i would say so it makes it a lot more relatable and easier to talk about in general there is a little bit of uh, intimidation factor when you're running into a new camera some issues that for you might just be this is the first time you run into them other people have experienced them in the past so it's easier to talk to younger people about it sometimes. But I also like hearing some of the stories about, oh, I used to have these issues. This is what we did back then. This is what people do now. It's, I think a lot of the future of film will be in young people. Mm. Just as we see with the disposables coming out, how big those have gotten recently. Like the ones Ilford has that have a motor. And it's, become a fad that I'm very excited about because like I said earlier, it just brings back more. It brings back more film, more pictures, more cameras. And yeah, I think it's very, very exciting and important to have more young people because it just grows the hobby in general. Yeah. I think as long as there's growth in the hobby, uh, this looks bright and like there's a future to go to. What was it that got you into it in the first place? It was a stumble, little stumbling upon a Olympus OM2N on Facebook Marketplace. I had a Olympus digital camera, one of the little micro four thirds format ones, and I was looking for lenses. And I ran into a posting for an, an Olympus 2N for $10. So I was like, Might as well, I'll try mm -hmm. it. I got it, played with it. It did not work, it was broken but I just had fun looking through the viewfinder and kind of turning the, the winding crank. So I found a Olympus 35 RC at a thrift shop 
and shot a first roll through that and I absolutely loved it. And kind of just the story that's a little bit as old as time now, where it's just fun waiting for it. Take a little bit more time with the pictures. And then I went on a trip to Portugal and took a small film camera. And I realized I took better pictures with this little old film camera because I took more time. I paid attention and I wasn't just splashing on the shutter button and checking the screen every five seconds. And that's what really got me. It was I could enjoy where I was, the people I was with, and the pictures and the moments because I wasn't checking the screen and seeing if there was a better angle or better lighting. It was just take a picture and hope it works out. And it just brought me more joy. So I sold all my digital stuff and went fully into film. (laughs) And I have not looked back since. That's great. I love that. That is the kind of impetuosity that you can have when you're young. It's like, yeah, this is it now. Whereas I'm like, well, just keep hold of everything. If I just keep hold of everything. Then in case of emergency, <laughs> I have everything. But no, um, that's that's really awesome to hear. It 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 is amazing how just that fluke interaction with these things. I, I think getting hands on with something that is the gateway, isn't it? It is. It is just that moment you hold something in your hand and just go, oh, this this feels different. The way I'm interacting with this is different, and then. It takes you places, and you go on from there. Um, my um, my niece recently bought a, a cheap, like, um, point and shoot camera from a charity shop, and she put one roll through it, and it was fine. And the second one, it all came out blank. So I was like showing her the camera and trying to like um, find the problem with it, and she was amazed that you could just open the back of it and fire the shutter and see light. Mm. You know. At that point, it's like she she's so used to a phone or a digital camera where none of the internals are exposed to you that to actually kind of, oh, look, see, there's something mechanical happening here and I can see the light passing through and it helps you, like, solve the problems with things. And that, like, to her, I think that was like, whoa, hold on, this is a bit of a revelation regards using film cameras and how simple it is in comparison to a digital device, which is just hidden away. Mm. I think that's true of a lot of. Th- I think it's refreshing to be able to, as you said, just go. Oh, oh! I can understand how this functions. I could not not think I could go and build one, but I can understand every step in this process. Like, oh, I understand why. Uh, there's the shutter opening. Here's the wind on mechanism, and there's not much modern technology that you can do that with, where you can just go. Oh yeah, I, I have an understanding how it works. I have a, a mobile phones are just magic. They're they're just magic. They. they 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 work. I'm perfectly happy to accept that they work. But if anybody asked me how they work, it's like I don't I don't know. That's the same for a lot of stuff these days. Um, so whilst you were at UC Santa Cruz, you were part of the Shutter Slugs, um, the photography group there, and like I said, that was where I first saw your work in print because the Shutter Slugs had their official um, photo book that went out. God, I guess even that was two years ago now, wasn't it? Um, I believe it might have been three. Three years ago. Oh God, John, we've been doing this too long. <laughs> I've definitely been doing this too long. So, um, who were you part? Because I think you were quite heavily involved with that, weren't you? You were quite a driving force behind that coming into being. Um, I was honestly just a member, but I listened to the podcast a lot, so I was just sending the photos and the info when I could. But the three 
founding members are, I forgot their last names right now, but Sean, Kang, and Danielle. Mm-hmm. And they were friends of mine that I met through a mutual friend, and they I was invited to go. And it was just a really nice community of people wanting to just take pictures. Show up to the meeting, they have some info if there's any events going on, and then you just email your photo, you look them up, you look at them through a projector on a wall, and just people talk about your photos. And it was the first time I've ever experienced that. So I just kept going and going. And I, in a sense, kind of became like the film photography person because I was the one who shot exclusively on film there. And they developed LightLeak, which is the photography book that they come out with every year. There's been three volumes. I was involved with the first one which I sent, which mm-hmm. I think is the one that you talked about. The second one was during a little bit during COVID. So we, not many of those copies were released, but I have that one as well. And then last year, they developed the third one. So Light Leak has gone through three iterations now and probably a fourth this year. So it's definitely a staple now of UCSC, which is really fun to see. That's awesome. Um, having a group like that that you can go and be a part of and share your work that you're doing in a very non-judgmental place but also be exposed to what other people are creating and the energy that other people bringing is such a nice thing to do um I, I well i mean i haven't been for a long time in fact this, tonight was supposed to be the first meeting i'm sure it was the first meeting of the local photography group that i go to um which I suspect it has quite a different energy from the shutter slugs in that the average age is, I suspect, uh, about 70 at the one I go to. Well, maybe maybe 60. <laughs> so it's a much older group. But I still really enjoy when I do get the chance to go there, um, seeing what other people are doing. Because it's, I think it's quite a good um, grounding in, oh, this is what, uh, for one thing, people in the same space as you are creating, people who are seeing this, you know, have the same visual input as you, people who have access to the same spaces, as opposed to pictures on Instagram or on Flickr, which could be anywhere else in the world. And, you know, oh, look, here's a breathtaking picture of this thing. Well, I'm not there, so that's no good. But if you can look at what people are doing who are just doing it just down the road, that I think is really useful. Um, and also, it's nice because you get uh, a more, I don't know, a, a, honest look at average photographers work you know you you get to just as opposed to again see these very necessarily carefully managed really amazing work that can make you feel like oh why am i doing any of this this is all pointless i'm my work is nothing compared to what i'm seeing here whereas i can go to the photo club and go oh well some of these pictures are really nice some of them are distinctly but that's what photography is you know it's just it's a mixture of stuff i um yeah, I think having a, a group to go to like that is it's a really nice social thing. And you just be able to talk about it as well. Have you ever done anything like that, John? Have you ever been part of a photo- photographic group? <laughs> Photography group? No. I don't like people. <laughs> You're so unsocial, John. Um, I don't think I have. And like, I enjoy photo walks and I enjoy talking to people on photo walks. Um, I've never done anything like where you share images. I'd, I'd like to. Like I've done kind of art-based things like that, 
where you kind of talk about each other's art, but not specifically photography. I've always been put off by photo clubs. Mm. Um, I've done a couple of talks to photo clubs. And they're not, I don't know. It's, you've, you've got to find your your clan, haven't you? You've got to find the, the people that you, yeah. you gel with and I guess do similar, not necessarily have to do similar sort of work, but just to, on the same sort of wavelength as you are. And I think like you've got to go to them to find them. That's yeah. the thing. And I always struggle with that first step of actually going to things. <laughs> I, I'm quite lucky. The one I go to, so there's there's a bigger one in Whitney, my local town, but I go to a, a small one in a little village near me. And, um, and sometimes there are sort of photographic competitions between the different groups and so on. And I would say that, our group always loses everything and we're just kind of happily crap <laughs> but nobody really cares it's great i love it i just like like i said we haven't won anything ever but everyone's like yeah it's just a bit of fun isn't it nobody takes it too seriously and um it's a really nice vibe there and it's like you were mentioning earlier rob about the fact that also whilst i am generally speaking the only person there shooting film um but because of the average age of the people there most people there have shot films. Some of them shot a lot of films. Some of them did a lot of printing back in the day or did, you know, be a wedding photography back in the day and stuff like this. And it's great to be able to pick their brains about stuff or just hear stories about their experiences whilst they roll their eyes and wonder why on earth I'm doing this. Like, you're an idiot. It's it's good fun. It's good fun. Are you looking... So now that you're not part of the show, so, I mean, are there other tribes nearby that you can look to go and join or are you floating free at the moment? I mean, you're at school now. Surely you can just start your own, right? I've thought about that, and I'm not sure if I'm going to do that at the school yet, but I am trying to incorporate some photography stuff into the curriculum. Like, it's eighth grade science here is physical sciences, so we have light waves, and I'm planning on having them build pinhole cameras Mm -hmm. or some work with camera obscura just to kind of get some of that into the school because I think it's fun and when it's a middle school science class, if you think it's fun, you can kind of shoehorn it, shoehorn it in, and and no one tells you anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I am pretty much floating free right now. There's a few photo walks up in San Francisco that I've been wanting to go to now that things are tiny bit more settled, but I just haven't had the time. But there's a few groups in San Francisco that are really really fun. One is West Coast Film Society, which had a expo a few years ago, which was really fun. And some photo walks that some of the stores over there do, like Glass Key Photo, that I just haven't had the time to attend. But I'm hoping to. Something you mentioned earlier about like finding your group, what was really enjoyable about Shutter Slug is just seeing the growth from the beginning of the year to the end in people's work and your own work. Mm. Because when you're sharing those photos, people give you some advice like, oh, I wonder what would happen if you did this thing that's a little bit different. And those slight changes kind of add up throughout the year. And at the end, people have grown a lot. And by the time I was done with Shutterslug or I graduated, the amount of film shooters also went up dramatically. Pretty much everybody had a film camera and a digital camera. So sharing those experiences was also fun because to them, I was a grizzled film shooter. 
when it <laughs> was only grizzled. two years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 24 years of grizzle. But just some of the basic experiences, like, oh, I don't know how to load with the film. And it was just nice seeing their journeys from where they started to where they were at the end of the year. Because a lot of the questions I got was, which film camera do I get? I got a film camera. What do I do now? Which films do I shoot? And just seeing the growth and the change and how they manipulated different film stocks was always really exciting and fun. Yeah. Again, I think it's another really nice thing about having an actual physical group that you can go and be part of and interact with is that just by the very nature of having the full gamut of human interaction that you know the, the all the non-verbal communication that goes on between us is that it's much easier to um feedback on people's work give advice and take and, and for that to be better taken which is one of those things that over the internet it's just harder you can look at somebody's work and go oh maybe you should do that and that can be taken the wrong way very easily. Um, but if you're there in, per- in person with people and you already have a, a relationship with them, you know them, then it, it, I think it makes that process much better and it enables you to build on your work and, and take it more places. Yeah, because otherwise, if you, I know some people do very well with just working in isolation and focusing very much on just what they're doing and can just internally take themselves a long way with that but i think for uh, many of us myself included i think the feedback of others and not just the feedback but um the inspiration that other people can have to offer the looking at what other people are doing and saying well how are you doing that why are you doing that with whatever it is i mean crumbs like the number of times with printing especially i've come to you john and gone uh i've forgotten everything you told me <laughs> tell me again um i think i've forgotten everything that i've learned at the moment yeah <laughs> when it comes to printing. um but yeah human... no, it's good like I, I think in person facilitates a conversation mm. a lot more than online feedback as well it's it's really easy to kind of get the wrong impression from what people are saying online and also like what they're not saying so mm. if people don't respond to an image you post it's very easy to think like have negative thoughts about the, what you've done in that image, but it's just not true. It's just like, it just doesn't work like that. There's just, people are still seeing your work and just because they're not engaging with it doesn't mean what you've done isn't great or there, there isn't a conversation around it. Um, whereas in person, people like to fill silences, don't they? Hmm. So you immediately, most people start with a compliment. Yeah, it's 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 a great icebreaker and, and then facilitates further talk around what what people are creating hmm. and i think with i mean at the um camera club that i go to when i get a chance to they tend to have a theme every month that you're trying to get pictures for and and the quality of the pictures that we all come up with every month is really variable I mean, every time you get some like really good stuff, you go, oh, somebody's done really great stuff here. They've had time, they've gone made, um, and, and someone will be looking and go, that's pretty bad, <laughs> you know. But I don't think if you if you're there in person and you've got the time, I don't think there's ever any image that you can't get something useful from by looking at, it. even if it's not a good picture. Looking at it and understanding why they took it is a useful thing to do with your time and, and if you're there in person you can talk to the people and say oh cool 
I like this picture. You can lie. That's all right. Why did you take it? Um, yeah, I, I love it. I think you, you need to find a new tribe. And if you ever can't find one, you need to make one for yourself, Rob. I think that's important. There needs to be the uh, junior slugs or whatever you call it at your place. Um, let's talk about your new photo book. So you, as previously mentioned, had some images in the... Um, Light Leaks the Shutter Slugs photo book, but you have just very recently printed and put out your own photo book, um, which I am not going to attempt to read the name out of. That is your job, because I'll butcher that. I only butcher people's names. So uh, the book is called Aquí, Allá y Adonde Más. So it's Spanish <laughs> for Here, There, and Where Else. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I didn't have a go at doing that, because that was not even close to where I was going. So, that was perfect, Rob. Yeah, uh, yeah perfect. <laughs> like a native, that's very good, very good. Mm -hmm. So what prompted this photo book? I realized during the summer, well, it was the first summer that I didn't have anything I needed to do. Like there was no preparation for college. There was no grad school. It was just a summer of freedom in a sense because COVID, but I realized I had about three or to four years of photos that the only time they've ever seen the light of day was either Instagram, the shutter slug meetings, or those pictures that went into Lightleak. So I just figured might as well use this time to try and make a book. It was something I always wanted to try and do, but I never really had the time or I guess made the time to do it. And this summer, I just decided to try it. And it was much more difficult than I expected it to be. Everybody keeps telling us that it's really easy to make a photo book. What was it you found difficult about it? Um, I think for me, it was actually formatting and like putting it so it looks nice and pretty on a PDF. So that was probably the most difficult. I had to learn InDesign because that's what one of my friends told me I should use. But the actual sequencing and picking the pictures wasn't very difficult for wasn't very difficult. And I think that was because I, in a sense, already curated it through Instagram and just the way I manage my photos when I upload them to my computer. I already had an idea of which ones I liked most. And a lot of this book very much is like a best of of the past years in mm -hmm. the future i want to do something different but for the first one i just kind of want to make something just to kind of break that barrier down to make more in the future so yeah the difficulty was actually learning how to format it for myself and finding a place to print that was also fairly difficult they're not, I'm, I'm surprised there aren't quite a lot of good options for you out in the States, especially where you are, for getting stuff printed out. I tried to do local, and then everywhere I went, they said, how many do you want? And I said, oh, maybe like 30, and they said, no, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, you need at least 100, and even then, they will be expensive. So I looked around, I tried some other independent ones online, and then finally, I just went to the big corporation of Blurb, which I don't know how big they are, but... It was fast, easy, fairly cheap, and the quality is pretty good. I'll need to get one of these out to you, mm. but I was very impressed with that. So is it is it a hardback? Um, it's a soft, but it's got yeah. a really nice binding. 
okay. but it's a soft cover and it's the premium magazine but it's just yeah, this is really nice i expected it to be like just a staple but no it <laughs> seems very high quality it looks very nice i mean i said we've got the pdf in front of us at the moment but you've you've held up the actual thing it looks very nice um you said you pretty much already curated and you you had an idea about which images you want to use did you there's, there's quite a lot of pictures in there did you have to cut down or did you go no i want to share the pictures that i want to share was there a whittling down process for it there definitely was a whittling down process there was a few pictures, quite a few, that I absolutely love, but just had no place in the book. The book right now is like, I think, 56 pages. Mm -hmm. And there's usually one or like three pictures on a page. But I think when I first set it out, it had around 80. And I very much had to cut down. Uh, my partner helped. She was very critical in a gentle <laughs> way. Where she said, hey, this is fun. This is nice. But it doesn't work. So you shouldn't use it. Yeah. So a bit, there was a, some pain in removing some of those pictures, <laughs> but I think the end product flows a lot better than it would have with a random picture of a dog in, San, in LA that had no business being next to other stuff. Because mm. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a bit of a, like you're, you're saying that you've been sitting on a lot of the images for quite a while. The, the benefit of that is, like you're saying, you've already started to edit it in your head, you've already kind of got an idea of, what things are working together the curse of that is you've probably formed a, an emotional attachment to some of those images as well that you're desperate to put in it but like you say if they don't work they don't work in that context so you yeah. you got to pull yeah them definitely i mean i know you said that this was kind of a there's no specific theme and it's kind of just a best of but you're uh, 24 years old um, is that yeah. right? And you've been shooting really particularly for the last three years, as you said. So the theme really is, <laughs> the, the, you know, the last three years of your life when you're in your early 20s. I mean, that's quite a theme in its own right. Um, how did you, when you were trying to put, because the, the pictures are, I think that there's a, a lot of... Um, pictures from where you were traveling lots of great locations beautiful pictures of buildings and structures of all the fun places you visit, but also uh, of people who are clearly important in your life as well some absolutely beautiful portraits in there um when you were putting it together what approach did you use for deciding what went where with regards to are you trying to is there a kind of in your head a through line either time wise or Image-wise, what are you trying to show, show with the pictures and the way that they're set out? So, yeah, I didn't call it like a best of, but with that question, it made me remember that there is a guideline that I should have included somewhere maybe, but it's basically is the journey of photography as time went on and through the world, really. Because it starts off with pictures from California, North California, Central California, South California. And the title is Aquí, Allá, Allá, Donde Más. So here, there, and where else. And it's just different places where I took pictures while traveling that meant something to me. Whether it was the location itself, which I enjoyed, or the people I was with. And it goes from California and it reaches to Portugal. 
so there's thought there's like pictures from um, Los Angeles, San Francisco, the Grand Canyon, uh, Arizona, Chicago, New York, and over to Portugal. So it starts off in the States and it goes on. And the last picture is just a picture of a plane from Portland because I expect to travel more and I expect to make most of these books. So it's a journey from, like you said, through my early 20s, my photography and how that changed and where I've been and where I want to go. There is a few portraits. Some of them were put in just where it would make sense color palette wise, but also the people I was with in those locations. Like there's some portraits of my friends Sid and Danielle who I went on a, who I saw during a long solo road trip back in March. As soon as I got my double jab, I was ready to drive somewhere so i drove to nature alone and just took my cameras i saw them and it was just a great moment in time with friends that i hadn't seen in a while and also just in a beautiful location so yeah i guess it very much is also just pictures of people who are important to me or pictures i met along the way i've gotten a lot better at just asking strangers for pictures and just talking to them a little bit about, well, why they're there, if they're traveling, who they are. And I send them the pictures. I always get really nice responses back. But some of those portraits are also just people I met there, people I met along my way, along my journey, and along my travels. Mm -hmm. You've got um, a wonderful portrait of a gentleman in a hat in Chicago, is that? Yes, that was, yeah, that was the first street portrait I've taken since well since everything happened and I was just walking down the street and I saw this gentleman just outside a jewelry store I think he's a jewelry appraisal person he's just dressed in a very nice suit with a hat and I just walk by and I see him I just tell him like, you look really sharp today do you mind if I take your picture and I have a Hasselblad the 500c and that's a pretty camera so if someone sees that they're more willing to let me take a picture. I took two portraits. One of them was terrible because I forgot to change the settings. But the second one, I got it. And I talked to him a little bit about his life, how he got into that job. And he never replied to the email. But I'm hoping he got the picture and I'm hoping he likes it. But yeah, that picture just reminded me how much fun it is to take someone's portrait mm. and that trust that they kind of put in you to take those pictures and the mutual result that you create together but yeah that's definitely one of my favorites in this book yes yeah, it's, it's a wonderful portrait it really kind of captures his personality even though i've never met him so i can kind of imagine what sort of person he is and i'm pretty sure he he looks that sharp every day of his <laughs> life <laughs> I imagine so. Yeah, it was a killer suit. Yeah. <laughs> How did you f find the confidence to do that kind of thing, to just approach people in public spaces and say, you look great, I'd love to take a picture? What What was your in with that? Um, I think it was a guest on Sunny 16 who just mentioned that Leading with a compliment helps, especially if it's a compliment that's genuine and not creepy. Mm -hmm. 
So it was just, I liked his suit. And that, that compliment kind of lifts them up a little bit. Like your suit, and I don't want to steal it. I just admire it. Yes. <laughs> That's a nice suit you've got. Be a real shame yeah. if something happened to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think probably the confidence also comes from, I'm. no one knows me in Chicago. If this gentleman just says, no, leave me alone, I can just walk away with a little bit of shame, but no one knows me there. Mm-hmm. So that makes it easier. And also just my job. I'm ridiculed by 12-year-olds <laughs> on a regular basis. Lighthearted, but still there. Yeah. And I can deal with that. I can deal with someone just saying no to me taking their picture. And I think a lot of it just is approaching with respect and with like just the purest intentions you can. Like different people kind of require different approaches and the way you approach them matters a lot. Yeah. And with him, it was just, I like your suit. I take your picture. And yeah, he was very excited about it. Um, I, I suppose it's one of those things also that's the more you do it and get a positive result like that, the easier it is to then go on and do more of it. You can kind of build up a bit of a, a confidence buffer there so that if you do get the occasional knockback, it's more than made up for by the fact that you know you're going to get occasionally just great results like the one you had. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely had many people say no. And it's just kind of one of those things where you say, all right, I respect that. Have a great day. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. Um, you got to remember there are 7.6 billion people on the planet, aren't there? And if you're looking to get five street portraits, there are, there are plenty of people out there that you can ask. Yeah. Them, what so. if they're like, not in this country, though, the ones that are going to say yes? That's always the risk. You've got to travel then, haven't you? <laughs> Such a hard life. Uh, it turns out there's the five people you've got. One's in Taiwan, one's in Peru. <laughs> oh no! Got, and also, you don't know who it is, but you just got to go to these countries and find that one person. Do you, sounds like a good adventure to me. It does. It does. Well, John, <laughs> are you pretty good with just going out to random people in the street and taking their pictures? If I've got a purpose for it, if you've got so like, like a little wristband for it, you're all right. Yeah, if I've got a pass, <laughs> photo pass, then I'm in. Um, fully like things like that actually do break the ice because a lot of people are like, Oh, what is that? You know, what anyway? Um, I went, I did a series the other day that I knew I had to get portraits for and stories, but it all started with talking to people about their stories. So, and then I didn't ask if I could take their portrait till kind of the end of the conversation, um, which was a bit like. I, I prefer to work like that because to me it's it's about just talking to people in that situation. It's not necessarily about getting their photo. It is a little bit disappointing when you've got you're working on a project and you kind of need that photo to then be able to tell their story as part of the project. Um, but it's just time. Like, I, like the day I went out, I was lucky. The, the five people I spoke to, I managed. They all agreed to let me take their photo. So. But if it doesn't happen, it does. It doesn't happen. You you've got to just move on, and it, it's just for me. It's it's having a reason to do it rather than just going up to people randomly um, and just almost gathering like Pokemon style. You've got to get as many as possible. It's like that. That's I'm. I don't like like that. Doesn't give me the confidence to go and ask people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it can be a bit awkward. Like I, I prefer it in mm-hmm. situations where like not in a urban center where there are loads of people around like it's if it's more of a like i don't know 
you're out walking through a, a field or something on a trek and you, you say hello to people then anyway, you know, and if a conversation, you can quick, you can tell within two seconds if somebody wants more of a conversation at that point. Yeah. 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 I think the timing, uh, and I think it's probably Anil who we were talking to about this, that you heard this, who you heard saying about that in the past, Rob, but, you know, he was saying about that idea of, you know, if you see somebody who walking across who's clearly in a rush to get somewhere and looks very busy, don't don't go and tackle them. Don't bother them. But you mm-hmm. can tell when people might have a bit of room in their day for an interaction, and and that's where you want to leap on. Um, Anil's really good though. Like he he does a lot of yeah. street portraiture, doesn't he? And he he's clearly very good at getting a, a connection with somebody very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, with the amount that he he does, there's no way he's spending weeks on end just to get five portraits. He he must be capturing a lot in a day, so he must be very good at kind of getting that connection with somebody very quickly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, But and also, I think it's it's because he does it. I mean, it sounds really dumb to say, but he's good at it because he does it and he keeps doing it. So he just gets better and better at doing it, Mm -hmm. as opposed to me who never does it. And um, it was quite interesting being out last week with uh, Jasper and Naz. And uh, at one point, um, Naz said, oh, I'm going to take a picture of you, Jasper, with his Jasper. And just kind of listening to him going through this almost spiel that he has of like, you know, get like this, get rid of this. Okay, I'm going to do this. And it's it's just there. He's not having to think about what to say or how to get people. It's like, no, he has a thing in his head, a script in his head that he's going to go through to put people at ease and it's a whole thing it's a whole thing which i haven't got um (laughs) given that your photographs start in this book at at the beginning of your photographic journey and you can see as you're looking like you can see that growth within the the book in terms of because i think one of the things I love about people when they are very new to photography in general, especially not just film photography in general, is that um, when you've discovered the joy of taking pictures, uh, you just want to do it. You just want to take pictures of almost everything uh, in an enthusiastic way, which it does not last forever. I think there's this real burst of energy and enthusiasm. And obviously that does mean that there's reams of bilge that you inevitably take pictures of. But also you do just, you're shooting stuff and capturing cool images that um, you'll probably not take again in the future because you just won't look at them. Do you find that as you're looking back through your work? Do you, because I, I, I know I find this sometimes with my stuff, I'll look back and go, I should do more of that thing that I haven't done for years because, you know, I quite like some of this stuff. Do you find that as you look back through your work now over the last three, four years and think, huh, these are quite cool. Why am I not doing this anymore? Yeah, it mainly happens with some of the shots that I'm surprised I got. Nowadays, I think I would, I'm a lot more careful. I used to be able to just blow through a roll of 36 in a day. Now it takes me a few days, which is why I've kind of shifted a little bit more towards medium format. But mm-hmm. it's just pictures that I wouldn't take a chance with. I don't know why. I think maybe I've just gotten more picky or more critical of my own work as time has gone on. But I just wouldn't take the risk. Just don't want to take the picture. But looking back at it, it's 
some of those casual quick shots of something where I'm just thinking, oh, maybe that's going to turn out are some of my favorites. Like there's some of the Dodger Stadium that I look at is just a, could be, it's just a picture of the stadium. But looking at it now, the colors, the way the film worked with the lighting that day. It's, and it was just a simple little point and shoot that I probably wouldn't have used today because I don't have it anymore and because I would probably want to try the medium format camera on it. But I don't think it would have the same effect if it was a square. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely just portraits as well that I think I would have taken differently now. And there's things that I look at and I'm not too happy about, but in the moment, that's what caught my eye and that's what mattered. And your opinions on things change. And I'm glad I took those pictures and I'm really happy with the results. There's one that it's weird to talk about photos that the audience can't see, Mm -hmm. but it's a double exposure with eyes over a bridge Yes, over the Golden Gate Bridge. And if you look at it, it's a bad picture of the Golden Gate Bridge. A mountain is covering it, covering up half of it. It's too dark in the corner, but I just took it because I was like, oh, I need to finish up this roll. I'm going to take this random picture. And it just happened to end up being a fancy double exposure where I forgot that I already shot that roll of film and put it in another camera. And these are their eyes just perfectly over the bridge. They look mm-hmm. like they're overlooking the bay. And it's one of my favorite pictures. I think one of the best pictures I've ever taken. And it was a complete accident and a fluke and something I probably wouldn't have done today. But in the moment I did, and it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool shot. And I think what you're saying makes perfect sense. We get really good, or I certainly found that I've got really good at talking myself out of taking a picture but sometimes even even talking myself out of lifting the camera up to my eye because you look across and go uh too far away or too close there's no point oh the light's not great uh it's just not interesting and you just take the picture because if you've looked once something there has caught your eye um and i think it's probably best to take the pictures of this especially if you're shooting 35 mil just take the picture, otherwise that film roll film's gonna be in there forever, if you like me. It'll be there forever and ever and ever. <laughs> in, in multiple cameras. It's in multiple cameras, yeah. Um <laughs> I I've, I've found that recently. I've looked over some old photos and I'm amazed with some of the images in that I would never choose to take them now. Mm. But there's a there's a freedom you have when you're first learning where you're not you're not really thinking or you're not overthinking what you're doing. And even though some areas kind of improve as you take more photos, you also kind of limit yourself a bit, don't you? Because you think, well, that's not going to work, so I won't take it. But it's those times when you actually do get kind of potentially more interesting or lucky things happen that just doesn't happen when you're kind of analysing too much what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. I, you you have to, not even just happy accidents, but sometimes things, when you get the finished picture back, they just work in a way that you weren't expecting them to. And if you hadn't taken the picture, you, you're never going to know, you're never going to see that. It's, um, I, I don't think it's um, a, 
I don't think it's a surprise to me. Well, I'm, I'm trying to find the right way of phrasing this. Um, I'm failing. But a lot of the pictures that I choose to go back and print when I'm going back through my archives tend to be pictures that I've shot with my Mew, uh, which by extension tend to be ones which are more just kind of grabbed shots. They're not, you know, perfectly whatever. They're just ones like, oh, I've got this lovely little camera with me because it's the one that's in my pocket. Um, and yet these are the ones that I'm finding interest me more when I'm going back, uh, despite the fact that my push habit wise has been to well no I shoot much more thoughtfully and methodically with SLRs and medium format and large format it's like yeah but the ones that I'm enjoying are the ones that I grabbed on a little point and shoot so um yeah it's I, mean, I think the photo book it is a really lovely photo book and I, I do love the fact that you can just see your growth as a photographer within it um because the, the, the images like the 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 quality, in in sort of the very basic terms of the word, you know, of of the the pictures, they they you can see it growing. You can see your growth as a photographer within it as they move on. Um, and there's some really really lovely images in there. And also, I do think it's uh, a great document of something of, of somebody in their early twenties of, of of what of the fact you know of this traveling and friends and the things that are important. I think it's um a lovely base to grow from really i I would be really interested to see where you, what your next photo book is like whether you whether it's going to be the same or whether as you and your photography mature whether you will kind of start to peel off and go down the more focus route or whether you think you'll do more of the similar stuff to what you've done with this one and more travel stuff have you got plans in your mind of what you want to do next i no, I don't want to wait like three years to make another one. Mm-hmm. Like I think I want to make a smaller version and make them a little bit more often. I would like to take a more focused approach, but I'm not sure what that would be yet. I just know I want small a smaller book, just like maybe like a five by seven inch instead of the eight point five by eleven. So something smaller and just more, more of them, less pages. And it's just nice to hold your own work. And I didn't realize how true that statement is until I actually did it. And it's something that I'm very proud of and something that was also almost a complete disaster from the start (laughs) with the title. I am a native speaker. My parents grew up speaking to me in Spanish, but they didn't teach me how to write it. I learned that on my own and through one class in high school. So when I I made the book, I laid it all out. I had the PDF ready, and I sent it to my partner. And the first thing she tells me is, you know, every single word is wrong. <laughs> oh, every single word. That's <laughs> impressive. The title, the accent is missing somewhere. Um, something is two words, not one word. The <laughs> question marks are the wrong way. Just so many different things went wrong. And I was ready to – I was very confident. I was ready to just click submit on the order for 30 books, which all would have been wrong on the title. So thank you to her for that. And there was just a lot of tiny little things like that that pushed things off, the crop lines, all the technical details. But in the end, I got there. It's something that I really would push other people to do. You don't have to make a really big one. It can just be something very small. But 
it really does help you appreciate your own work a little more. Sometimes I can be a little bit pessimistic with my work because it's like, oh, I'm just taking pictures of things that I find interesting. But when you go through the process of laying something out, planning it out, you realize the small hidden meanings that are in your photography that you don't recognize from a surface level. Like it makes me happy that you say you can see the growth as a photographer because some of the pictures are from very early on. Like the primary way the book is laid out is location-based and second is time-wise. But it's nice that some of the very, very early pictures seem as if they're pictures I would take now. So thank you for that. Um, you haven't, apart from the very nearly completely ruined uh, title <laughs> of the thing and a very short um, introduction about yourself on the front page, um, you haven't put any words in with it. Is that something you think you might do going forward? Was, there, was it a very deliberate choice not to include any writing with this? Um, I think, at least at first, there, I wanted to include some sort of little captions just for some guidance, mm-hmm. but I didn't really want to go through the formatting process for that, <laughs> oh, honestly. <okay. laughs> I didn't want to format where they would go uh-huh. and how I, but the font choice and all that and the title scared me about making potential grammatical issues <laughs> so i decided not to for this but looking back at it now i do kind of wish there was a little bit more guidance on maybe <laughs> locations and stuff like that because to me i look at it and it's like oh it's a journey across the world but unless you know a specific building in chicago you're not going to know that's chicago yeah or portland or anything like that so i wish also, maybe i did a little bit more like that like you might think well you you can you know all these locations you can you can tell where they are, but give it ten years, and your memory will be going to. <laughs> give it twenty years, and you'll be like, "Are these my photos?" Yeah. Um, and and of course, the other thing is, as a film photographer, yeah, you know that people are going want to know what cameras and what films you were using. Um, so so I mean, was it a fairly broad selection of stuff you were using throughout it, or have you got some go tos that got used a lot? I have my go tos, but. A lot of it was just whatever flavor of the month that camera was. I think at the beginning, or actually it's something that ever goes away. Just wanting to see, oh, that camera looks fun. I should try that out. They don't lose value. I can just sell it and get my mm-hmm. money back. So I'm not buying something. I'm not spending money. I'm renting. Yeah, investing. But then I don't sell it. <laughs> yes. But my go-to is a Olympus OM4 Ti that... I've, it's the camera I've had the longest, I think two years now, and it's just my go-to SLR. Yeah. Although I have a Hasselblad, if I had one camera, it would be the Olympus. It's small, it works perfectly fine, I've never had issues with it, and it just looks really, really pretty. Yeah. yeah so that was my go-to. Um, there was a few shots with the Mew. Um, a Minolta CLE I had for a while, but for the most part, it's the Olympus, a Bronica SQA, or my Hasselblad, with some small showings from like the Rolly 35. There was really a lot of cameras. There's a lot of cameras. I'm talking about it, yes. Um, 
you one of the things that you've started will sort of start wrap up now because I'm lucky enough to have on my wall here one of your prints when you sent the um, light leaks zine over you included some of your prints and um, I've got one of your uh, pictures not the one we talked about earlier of the, the double exposure but a picture of um, it is the Golden Gate Bridge that print isn't it yeah lovely yeah. black and white print that you made yourself and you say it's one of the earliest prints that you've made are you still getting a chance to do darkroom printing no, that was UCSC had a dark room that you just paid for like once a quarter and you could get access to it. You just had to bring your negatives and they had all the chems. So that's where I did most of my dark room printing. And I'm really trying to find a place to print because it was so much fun and I miss it. And I just haven't been able to. The I really need to also, that was also where I learned to develop my black and white film which I haven't done in forever. And the reason there's barely any black and white pictures in this is because developing a roll of black and white at my photo lab is like $20. And a roll of color is like 14 or 12. Yeah. So I need to get on that because I know I can do it in my bathroom. Mm -hmm. That's something I definitely need to start doing. No excuses for that. So, um, you are at the moment doing these um, prints for donations to to basically raise money for various different charities. So um, I'm guessing these are digital prints that you're doing as opposed to obviously darkroom prints because you don't have that facility. Yes. So talk to us a bit about why you started doing this and what it is that you're doing. It started during the Black Lives Matter movement back in, I think, summer of 2020, where like this movement's happening, but there's a pandemic. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get other people sick. So I can't attend marches. I can't attend protests. What can I do? And I thought, well, I could sell my prints. Like just, I'll mail you a print as long as you'd make like a, I think it was a five to $5 donation and just pop an envelope, send you a print of whatever was on my Instagram feed that you may have thought was enjoyable. That wasn't like a picture of a model then I thought that's how I could help at least a little bit. And the first time I did that, I think I raised around $500. That's fantastic. For just various organizations. And now whenever I have the time, I pick specific organizations for sometimes like a month has a certain, that's like dedicated to a specific month, like either Black History Month, uh, Breast Cancer Awareness. And I focus on that organization I just advertise it like, hey, I'll send you a print. Uh, send me a screenshot of your donation to keep everything transparent. Like, don't send me any money. Send it straight directly mm-hmm. there. And I'll just mail you a print of your choice. It's just, I don't really need the extra income from selling my prints. And it's hard. It was really hard for me to put a value on this book just in general. So just, I'd rather spread the work by also helping other people. Yeah. And helping other organizations and that's something that's always just available on my instagram feed some of the people i took portraits of in chicago ended up messaging me later asking for a print of the picture i took of them and they just sent some donations out that's really cool i think that's a great way as you said it's a great win-win because it uh it gets charities benefit from it people get lovely prints and also you get to share your work out there in a way which you feel comfortable with as well and you kind of avoid that uh slightly awkward thing i mean i I don't know john as a professional photographer it's a thing that you're always 
uh, battling with is the value of prints and and how they're frequently undervalued by people. But um, I'm I'm actually going to start using that tactic for companies that keep using my photos. I've, I've had a right week of it this week. Really? People just keep stealing my photos and using them. Really? I'm just, just going to message them and say, you can use them, but you have to make a donation. Just do it like because I can't be bothered with the conversation of just like trying to license them because people are just oblivious to that they're blatantly stealing work. So I'm just going to say, yep, you can have them for use, but you've got to make a donation now just to make a point. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Let us know who it is, Jordan. We'll all just like Twitter bomb them and make them feel bad about it. Is that a thing that people do? I don't know. Um, four years into your film photography journey then, Rob, do you think you've still got the energy and enthusiasm that you had right at the beginning for all of it, now that you are a, a, a man of mature years at 24, <laughs> a teacher, a respectable member of the society? Um, is, is it still as exciting for you as it was back in 2018? Um, yeah, there was, the, there was a moment a few years, like a year ago, where two years ago, where I stopped for a moment. But the book definitely brought it all back. I slimmed down on my cameras like Aid did. And then once I made this book, it's like, oh, that one looks fun. <laughs> I'm going to borrow that. I'm going to try that. And I've just been taking as many pictures as I can when I have the time. I've been, I'm going to start going to LA more often now. So I've been taking pictures down there and just trying to recapture some of what we talked about earlier, just taking the photo. I have a small little Fuji point and shoot that I take everywhere now and just taking pictures of the moments, even if they're not going to end up in a book because it's just family, but just holding on and capturing those moments and reminding myself that it's okay to just take that picture. It's a roll of 36. If something seems fun, something caught my eye, as you mentioned earlier, just take the picture. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely think I still have some time. I'm, glad I'm to hear excited it. to keep going and do more and just learn more. There's so much to learn. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And also, uh, I think, especially at the age, like John and I are a middle-aged man. Sorry, John. I'm now lumping you in the what? same. <laughs> basically, you're a middle-aged man now. Um, I am mostly speaking for myself, but you know our life is very static. But when you're in your 20s, there's so much more happening, so much more going on. Change is so much more a part of your life when you're in your 20s. That you need to keep shooting all the time because otherwise, in a couple of years' time, you go, oh, hang on, I missed this entire section of my life and I have nothing to record. You know, it's, Whereas I could have taken a picture now, five years ago, 10 years ago, 50, and it's all going to look basically the same. So I, I just look slightly more of a battered husk year on year on year. So, you know, there's not that much point for me. Um, where can people find your work uh, online, on Instagram, wherever? And also, where should people be going to look for your zine, which I'm going to let you say the name of again? Um, the, the book or the zine is called Aquí, Allá y Adonde Más. So again, that's Spanish for here, there, and where else. Slight Beatles reference in that title. But uh, my Instagram is across the roll. And I've mainly just been accepting orders through like the DMs or messages. I have a Venmo and a PayPal that I give out once you're interested. But yeah, it's across the roll on Instagram. 
lovely stuff i will obviously make sure the links are in the show notes for that um well rob it's been a real delight getting to chat to you about this tonight and it's always well as i've said this many times before it's always a real mixed pleasure having a young photographer on the podcast because on the one hand i uh love the energy and enthusiasm and the fact that young people are getting into photography but on the other hand i hate young people because they have all the youth and energy and enthusiasm (laughs) whereas as previously mentioned i'm a withered old husk um a couple of quick housekeeping points um the cheap shots challenge um i think we're going to just because we've got photography show coming up and stuff like that i think we're going to throw it till the end of this month so We've already had quite a lot of great entries in. Don't give me that look, John. I've taken pictures for it. I have taken pictures for it. Have you taken pictures? Of course not. (laughs) Haven't we got got to set a new challenge for like the photo show as well? We have, but that will be that will be separate. That will be for people there. That's that. This will not conflict at all. Um, So if you haven't already taken any pictures for the cheap shots challenge yet, you still have time to do it. Uh, The theme is unwinding or to unwind um it is a great theme because it is something which you should be trying to do if you can (laughs) use the cheap shots challenge as an excuse to go and do something to help you unwind um and yes we will give that now until the end of whichever month we're in now september Um, i have taken pictures john hasn't apparently so get on it with more (laughs) i I got myself a, a, a great opportunity as well i told you we bought a hammock didn't i which is yeah. like my first opportunity for this. I bought myself a foot spa the other oh, day. Oh, you told me you bought a foot spa. <laughs> yep, Nana Whitmore's bought herself a foot spa. <laughs> a foot Two spa. great things for unwinding. <laughs> a foot spa and a hammock. I, 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 I want a picture of you engaging with both of those things at once. How <laughs> <laughs> can I do that? <laughs> Yeah. Bring the hammock in the house. <laughs> that would work. No, it's a very long extension cable. It'll be fine. Yeah. But garden foot spa, be living the dream. Um, Rob, I hope you're going to find some time. I mean, I know you're back at school now, teaching, obviously. But, you know, you need to find some time to get some cheap shots pictures in. No excuse. I'm sure you must have yeah, cheap shots. I, I lost my old one, but my dad found a medium format TLR that I don't know what it's called because the plate fell off. But <laughs> I think I'll probably get that going. That sounds perfect. That sounds perfect. Anything that's falling apart at the seams is perfect. Um, I can't remember what the second thing was. Oh, photography show. Photography show is coming up. Uh, it is uh, not even two weeks, a week and a bit away as this goes out, right, John? It's the 18th, 19th, 20th... <laughs> 17th, 18th, 19th. <laughs> we're, just, 20th. we're just shouting numbers out now. No, I was right. John's <laughs> wrong. 18th, 19th, 20th and 21st. Um we will be there on Saturday the 18th. Um, you might find uh, some other sunbeams floating around on, on the Sunday as well. I think AIDS hoping to be there a couple of days, but um, we will definitely be there on the Saturday, barring disaster, <laughs> which, let's face it, always possible. Um, but Claire's coming down. I'm going to be there. You're going to be there, aren't you, John? Rachel's still yes. pulling this goddamn baby car. There's some sort of gal doing stuff free. I don't know what's going on with that. I just assume that once she had it, she'd be back at work pronto. It's outrageous. I think she is. She's just so busy with work now. She can't. She just can't. can't yeah, exactly. Um, quick constant. A constant is gorgeous. I get pictures and videos very regularly, and she is. Oh man, <laughs> it's a very beautiful baby. Unsurprisingly, Rachel's baby. Of course, it is. Um, if you haven't got your tickets yet, you've still got time. Uh, the code is SUNTPS21. He says, remembering it, 
that will get you uh i think it's 20 percent off a ticket i can't remember <laughs> listen it'll get you a discount on it if you haven't already got it um we hope we get to see you there there's gonna be loads of fun analog stuff there all in one place which is gonna make it so much easier to navigate um and it would just be nice to have a catch-up again with everybody. I'm looking forward to seeing you, John, that's for sure. Can't wait to see you. <laughs> um, are we going to do interviews and stuff at the photo Yeah, show? we'll do interviews and stuff. Yeah. We'll be wandering around. We'll use the microphone that I bought for doing this photography show this time. Not even this time, a year and a half ago, so that would be exciting. We're like proper reporters. We can pull it in their face. <laughs> it would be great. <laughs> going to get a press hat. It's going to be the whole nine yards. going to be great. Anyway, oh gosh, that'll be as we that'll be yeah. So next week when we come to you, that'll be just before the photography show. God, how time flies when you're roasting in a shed. <laughs> right, <laughs> rambling. Need to get out of here. Rob, thank you again so much for joining us. It's been lovely chatting with you this evening, and good luck with your parents' evening, <laughs> which you've now not prepared for at all. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'll just smile and just, wave. <laughs> just talk about your uh, your new zine with them. That'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that that could work. Yeah. Your kids might take a picture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Be perfect. We will be back with you next week with something Gorilla, I am sure. Until then, thank you very much for listening, everybody, and goodbye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>